Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. This week's question, do you carry weather in your wallet? And should you if you don't? But before we jump into that, let's touch base on a couple other things. Hurricane Laura. Now, I mentioned when we were talking about this stuff a couple weeks ago and over the past couple episodes that I thought that one of these storms might, I don't know, spark some conversations. And boy, was I right. We had some stuff on Twitter, some stuff, some mail lists that I'm on. And I'm always intrigued, you know, what what is it? going to be? What's the topic that's going to finally push people into, I don't know, going from, you know, what's the tipping point going to be? And this one was about hurricane intensities and storm surge specifically, as, as everyone probably realizes. There's a lot of focus when you're looking at news reports about wind speeds associated with tropical cyclones. But in the end, it's not the wind itself that tends to do the most damage. There are exceptions to that, of course. But flooding and storm surge tend to have a larger impact. And that was certainly the case with this. That was one of the challenges was how do we better communicate? And that's what I guess I appreciated about this exchange is while there was some... I don't know, unhappiness and some apologies and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it sparked a useful conversation, in my opinion, about how we communicate more effective storm surge forecast, you know, a, a more holistic view of tropical cyclone forecasting and things like that. Any case, wasn't surprised that it happened, and it most certainly did. And always looking for positive outcomes. And I did see some ways that people coming at it from different perspectives. Because anytime you look at something like a tropical cyclone, you got different people thinking about it, whether it's a meteorologist, whether it's an emergency manager, whether it's, you know, somebody that lives in the vicinity and all these different views of the same information that's being shared are useful, right? And trying to look at that information and determine how we get from point A to point B, which is data coming out of, let's say, a forecasting model to someone making a decision, as you, you've heard me say before. What matters the most is how effective a decision can someone make with the data that's presented and realizing the fact that there's no such thing as a single forecast for a given location, that everything's about probabilities and understanding those, but they've still got to be something that people can act around. So I don't know. Maybe we'll do a follow-up someday. This could be a good case study and we'll see what comes of it. I like to think when I see these exchanges that they lead to improvements. We'll see if that translates into reality though. Now the other thing this past week that happened here in the U.S. we had some incredible shifts in weather. We've been experiencing in the western part of the country some very extreme levels of heat in on the order of in places that really don't see these sort of numbers, triple digit Fahrenheit temperatures, right? Or let's say 38 C, 100 Fahrenheit. And then two days later, less than 48 hours later, measurable snow. Now think about that, right? 
you're you may even be in a location that doesn't you don't have air conditioning because it's so unusual to have these kind of temperatures and then the next thing you know you got to get out uh shoes that can slosh through the snow it, granted this was not feet of snow it wasn't snow that was going to necessarily stick around but the fact that we went from one one extreme to the other it's pretty incredible pretty incredible all right let's jump on to this main story past couple of weeks i started looking at one topic and was kind of reminded of another and they were linked by a common article and we'll get to that in a bit but we're going to go with the one not that I started with, but the one that I was more reminded of. And I was reminded of it because I was out moving car, and I have this park near where I live. And every time I walk down this little street, there's a street that kind of dead ends into the park. And then, you know, you kind of have to go around the park and the street picks up again. And for months, there has been an ice cream truck parked right there just it doesn't matter what time of the day I go out right and this has been one of those few areas that people have started to spend time in again it's kind of an open space so people doing different things trying to be outdoors right but this ice cream truck it's the perfect delivery vehicle for everything we've been experiencing right everything's wrapped so quick exchange of money you, know, you can hopefully feel comfortable that whatever you're opening inside the wrapper is is relatively safe. And I was going by, and it took me a minute to realize what was different. I was like, oh, the ice cream truck's missing. Well, the primary reason now is schools are back in session. And I don't care whether you're going in school or whether you're doing distance learning. You're still not hanging out in the park. So I wouldn't be surprised maybe if later in the afternoon the ice cream truck's still showing up because despite the fact that in my home, it's definitely season change, I know, because the shoe boxes have been shifting. We've gone from summer shoes to winter shoes or at least fall shoes around here, and that was a big ordeal. That's not, not for me personally. But there's also this shifting of weather, and we've had a few days where, you know, fall's coming into play. And no doubt ice cream trucks, while they may monopolize on, on when school is out, you start to see them when that weather pattern shifts. And I'm guessing you'll still see them until we really get colder. And it just doesn't make sense for them to be out there. And so one of the topics that when I was doing the research that came up was the role that weather plays in how we shop. Now, In looking for articles and looking for papers, I came across one called The Influence of Warm Versus Cool Temperatures on Consumer Choice. Right? And that one, that paper was referenced in some other papers, which is kind of how I came across it. But there was a follow-on to that that's called Warmer or Cooler, The Influence on Ambient Temperature on Complex Choices. And both of these things had more to do with shopping. So that's where we're going to talk about today. And the role that weather plays in our shopping choices. Now, specifically here, we're going to narrow down the range and talk about temperature only. I don't think that the reality is that simple. I believe that if you think about weather, you've got to consider all of it, right? It's, It's really just 
not how we go about it. You know, whether it's snowy or raining or very windy or a sunny day versus a cloudy day, all those things probably have to do with weather's influence on how we shop. But do you, what do you think about when you're going out shopping, right? How, how does weather work into your mind? And that may be very different for whether you're shopping, you know, you're dashing from a car to inside a store versus going to be outside, ice cream truck, maybe a farmer's market. So weather may be more influential in those cases, but I think what's interesting here is when we think about inside spaces, temperature tends to be the one, if you will, weather type of element that's still sort of regulated one way or another. And that's why I want to focus on it, because I think it's an interesting idea that weather, even in a controlled environment, yeah, I realize it's not weather per se, but temperature, it's an element of weather, can influence us no matter what shopping environment we're in. Okay? So imagine you're, you're getting ready to go shopping. So what are, you, what are you doing? Are you going grocery shopping? Maybe you're, it's a single item you're looking for. So maybe you're making a list of things you need, you know, a big, long grocery list. Or maybe you're just going shopping with a general idea. You got a few things to pick up, but, you know, it's not specific things or specific items or, you know, maybe you're, it doesn't matter what brand it is. Or maybe you're just going shopping. You know, some people do that. Some people like to shop. Not my thing, generally speaking, but I've done it from time to time. And as I mentioned, we may consider all these weather elements, but if we're going inside, a lot of times we just don't think about that. Yeah, we may have the inconvenience, but no matter where we're going, inside, we're ultimately going to have to deal with temperature to some extent. So maybe, just maybe, you should always be thinking about the weather. Always be thinking about the weather when you're shopping. And let's talk about what this research told us a little bit. So in the combination of these two papers, it went into kind of different steps. The first one was very focused. Both of them you heard mentioned kind of warm and cool in the title. The first one focused on some tasks. And what it's really trying to do is understand when we've got this set of basic tasks that we do, do we do it, do we perform it better when it's cooler versus warmer? And again, these were more of, of, if you will, regulated temperatures. So we may still have like a, I don't know, a 10 degree Fahrenheit or a 5 degree C range. But even within that tight range, there was some interesting findings. Generally speaking, colder is better for simple product decisions or quick decisions. Do I want to pick X versus Y? Maybe I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a specific type of food. Or maybe it's whatever product you want to throw it out to. You're going into a tech store and you're getting something very basic. right? But it's not something that you really need to think about. It's a cable. It's a mouse. I, I don't know what it is, right? Or you're going into a clothing store and you just need to pick up some shorts and it's down to, you know, what color is it going to be? Or do you, you know, need the elastic 
fan versus not. But anything that doesn't involve too many choices. Cold is better. Want to make a quick choice. Going to do it in a hurry. Right? But it also, that same idea plays in to impulse buys. And this happened to me today. So if any of you ever go to Costco, it's in a Costco today, they have these cooler sections. There are not many of them, but a couple of them. One tends to be in the dairy, but the other one tends to be in kind of a produce section. And I go in there, and it's always really cold, right? And so I go in there, and I want to make quick decisions. And as an example, this, this I'll give you one. Mushrooms. Do you get regular or portobello? You know, because they have the mini portobello. So it's, it's one versus the other. And I'm looking at these things today, and I'm like, bam, I just pick one, right? Now, I didn't really want to take time to think about what recipes I might use them in and how the flavors might be different. It was like, pick one. That's what I'm going to go with. So cooler weather tends to put us in that state where we want to make more of a snap decision. And we're good at, if there's only a few things in that chain of decision-making that we want to get through. But as we get warmer, as the environment gets warmer, the interesting thing about this paper and, and the terminology, I, I don't want to use necessarily their terminology because you know it's, it's geared to the type of research they were doing. But more or less, they talk about how we kind of expend a bit more of our cognitive resources, the warmer it gets. So we tend to avoid that kind of stuff. We don't want to do anything too complex, the warmer it gets. So if you want to have people stick with the same brands they know, or you don't want to make decisions, you're more likely to stick with things that you already are familiar with when it's a a bit warmer in the shopping environment, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say that a store makes more money on brands that have more margin in them, but they're bigger name brands, right? They're, they're not the generic brands. They may want to keep their store a little warmer, you know, a little more relaxed, a little more islandy, if you will. if they don't want you to change your mind about which brand you're using, right? So as we talked about before, if, I, if I'm looking to get you to switch, I may want it slightly cooler where you are. If I want you to buy the same things as always, yeah, we know that one. Buy it, get it. Don't even look at the price, right? You see it on the shelf, you just get it. You don't, you don't even ponder whether it's the right deal or not. You just sort of pick it up. So the warmer these temperatures get, the less likely you are to make that switch, right? And the more complex the, the cycle, the more you have to think about it and whether you're making the right decision, the warmer it is, the, the more you tend to walk away from that. Cool temperatures, maybe not as cold as that cooler was in, in Costco. My decision process, maybe I'm going to work a little harder at saying, okay, is this a deal? Even though I may make, want to make a quick decision, is this a deal? Which choice is better? Where might I and how might I use this? So maybe I've got four or five steps I'm going through, and I consider all those a little better when the temperatures are cooler. However, this second paper kind of extended that thought process, which was what was interesting. And what they found was that warmer temperatures, while they may you may hit this thing where you don't want to go through too many decision steps, actually, if you get into very complex decision making, 
When we really need to think through choices and what they mean, the value they present, maybe you're buying a new car, right? Or something that involves a long-term commitment that you're getting into, that we tend to make better decisions there with warmer temperatures. So it's if you think about it, maybe if you looked at a temperature spread and you looked at the complexity of the decision, that we have this low point in the middle where if it's gotten to warm, yeah, we get kind of lackadaisical and, and don't go through the, we don't want to make complex decisions. But actually, if we got to make really complex decisions, we do prefer that warmer state. So maybe there's more of an adrenaline rush, if you will, with the cooler temperatures. It's probably not exactly what's going on. But as we all know, sometimes when we make those snap decisions for, for non-complex things or something maybe we have a little bit of knowledge about, we, we can do it on the fly. We can go real quick and cooler temperatures help us with that. They keep, maybe they keep us a little more focused. But when we need to go through that process where we're really evaluating something, that maybe we need sort of a cool cool out. It's not cool, but warmer. I need to relax our body a little bit. So with cool temps, we're better to a point. But as that decision-making gets more complex, warmer actually helps us out. So out the gate, warmer might be a bad thing. But as the process becomes more involved, and as we maybe we need to do some analysis... We need to have warmer temperatures to make us optimal in that process. I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, when you sit down and, and, and even think about when you're doing online shopping, right? You may have a state at home where you like you like certain temperature ranges. We all tend to have those. But do you find yourself going to shopping more? or doing different types of shopping, depending on how the temperature ranges in your own home. Maybe you should. Maybe if you need to make a bunch of quick decisions, you should really open the windows if it's a fall day, or open the door, or crank the AC for a couple of minutes. Or vice versa, get under a blanket if you need it to be a little warmer, if you're really going to make complex decisions. I'd never really thought about that. But it's, it's interesting to me how even in a narrow temperature range, right, that temperature can influence how effective we are in decision-making and the type of decision-making we like to do. And this can work both ways. So I don't want this just to be about us because you are. If you sell things, right, if you sell things where you want people to make a shift or make a fairly you know, impulse decision, maybe cooler is better, particularly if you want them to, to make a change. However, you want people to keep buying your brand and you're not trying to convert customers, but you're trying to keep customers. Maybe, maybe they do in the Apple store. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they keep it a little warmer because they want everybody to stay happy with Apple. I don't know. Never really thought about it. Maybe I'll start carrying a, a thermometer around and make measurements when I go into stores and see if any of this holds true. But maybe if there are, and th this is always the thing, when I read this research, they, they like to point to the fact that no one seems to be doing this. I don't know that I always buy that. 
Sometimes I think people are doing it and they're just not sharing that data with anybody else. But the next time maybe that you notice the temperatures are out of whack to what you would have expected, look at what they're trying to sell you. If it is more of a specialty store or if it's a section of a store even, you know, maybe they have the fans blowing a little more in a given area just to give you the sense that it's cooling off. And one of the interesting things that they found with this stuff is sometimes you can do it with suggestive temperatures. So let's say you need to make a complex decision in front of your computer, very complex, a lot of things to consider. Maybe put a, a warm background, a desert scene or an islandy scene on your desktop. Or if you have the you know, TV on, tune in to something that has warmer temps because it might set the mood better. Or if you're doing something where you need to make a bunch of quick decisions, maybe put, you know, a snow scene in the background or something that reminds you of cooler temps. Because maybe you can trick your mind into being the right kind of effective for the decision you're making. Let me know. I, I am genuinely curious because I've never really thought about this. And I am going to pay more attention to it as I'm making these sort of decisions whether I notice that temperature really has that kind of level of impact for me. You know, sometimes the, the differences we're talking about aren't things that we necessarily recognize. But maybe, as with all things, when we become aware, we can train ourselves to do these different things to optimize how we respond in these given situations. Any case, be curious to know. Be curious to know if you ever think you've seen this sort of thing. Or if you've even noticed it in yourself. What is it about the weather at gmail.com? Of course, you can do what is it about the weather at Twitter. Just let me know. Be curious to hear what you might have run across. Now, I'm going to close out. We're going to get back to tropical cyclones for a minute. Somebody, yeah, I get this all the time, which is we're, we're about at, in the Atlantic Basin, we're having a very active season. And we've just, in the last, I think, yesterday maybe is the traditional peak of the season like with the most activity now do keep in mind that both sides don't look the same we have a, a very sharp ramp up in late august and early september and it's more of a lag drop off for the end of the season and given that we only have four letters left all right the next storm is named sally who names a tropical cyclone sally i i sometimes i wonder where these names the ones they decide on, some will make a lot of sense to me, but Sally just doesn't sound like a tropical cyclone. I hope she ends up being very happy. Maybe she'll be a fish storm and just stay out there in the middle of the ocean. And there's one about to form that maybe that'll be Sally. But four more letters. S-T, I think V and W are the only ones that are left in the alphabet. Then we go to Greek letters. And in the conversations of all this stuff I was talking to you about, we go to Greek letters here in, in our basin. So alpha, beta, you know, all, all these things. You go through the Greek alphabet. And their point was, you know, we retire storm names for storms that are very impactful. You know, I, we were just talking about Laura. Thankfully, from a loss of life standpoint, the numbers for all loss of life has been relatively low for the magnitude of the storm, less than 100 people. It's very unfortunate that anybody loses their lives in these sort of things. But given how powerful the storm was, it ended up crossing, for instance, the U.S. border in a relatively low population area 
a lot of the deaths occurred in Haiti. You know, you didn't, people didn't even think about this as the storm went over Hispaniola. But can you imagine that that was their point? We're get, we might have to, given how early we're getting there this year, retire a Greek letter. And that's what I'm saying. These Greek letters are only used when we run out. Now, that said, this doesn't happen, tend to happen very often. But the point was that maybe we should have a secondary list of names right, that we go to if we get through the first round. You know, could we do that? Sure. It will be interesting to see if we get a Greek letter storm that's strong enough that it has to be retired because that would be a first as far as I know. But just so you know, if you start hearing storms with Greek letter names, that's why because we've run through the first set of names in the alphabet. All right. Now, next time, we are going to hit that other topic that I mentioned, which is about weather and alertness. And you can kind of imagine with some of the things I've said how that's going to play out, but look to that for next week. But until then, and as you're out doing your fall shopping, whether it's back to school, whether it's just enjoying you know, that season when we tend to start getting, you start thinking about end of year holidays and all that kind of stuff. Tends to be kind of a shoppy sort of, I don't know, month or so between mid-August and mid-September. And while you're doing that, you're thinking about how the temperatures are influencing your decision-making process. Don't ever forget, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>